Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. But first, I'd like to invite you on a market tour. On July 27th, we'll be hosting a one-day market tour in downtown Philadelphia, where you'll get to see over 60 units of new construction and another at least 25 units of, of construction that's currently underway. You'll get to see how we create tremendous value in that marketplace, and we've generated at least 25 to 30% net profit margins on these new construction projects. Join me on July 27th and check it out at phillymarkettour.com. That's phillymarkettour.com. We are back interviewing some of the most notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have Doris Belland. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Victor. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Doris, give us a little bit of your backstory. You didn't start out in the world of real estate investing, and you got into it a little bit almost accidentally. Give us yes. a little bit of the history. Yeah, very much so. No, I was uh, on track in my 20s to become a professor of neurolinguistics. I was in university doing very well. I had started a master's, been promoted to a doctoral program, and uh, received full funding for that. So things were going very, very well and was on track to become both a researcher and a professor uh, when my husband at the time uh, became very ill. He had cancer, but it became much more serious. And so I took back then what I thought was going to be a one-year leave of absence and it turned out to be a permanent leave. Uh, my husband, Malcolm, never recovered from that. He, several years later, so six years after I walked away from my PhD, he died. And I was left with $400,000 of debt and a dying business. So when I cleaned all of that up, uh, and I realize I'm skirting over a whole lot of detail there, but uh, when I cleaned all that up, paid off the debt in two years, I had to basically reinvent myself. I was 32 when he died, so by the age of 34, I found myself completely starting over. I couldn't go back to my doctoral work. It was virtually irrelevant when you're away for that long. The research you've done no longer applies. I certainly would, have, would not have received any funding, having walked away from the funding in the first place. So I had to ask myself, what am I going to do with myself? Um, it's not like you can use the training as a neurolinguist to turn around and go do anything out in the marketplace. So I really had to reinvent myself. And at that time, I looked around and I thought, okay, so who is successful? What are they doing? What's their magic sauce? What is it that, you know, that has created that success? And the one common element as I looked around me at the people I admired, uh, at some notable characters uh, internationally, and the one thing that was common among them, apart from some personality traits, is the fact that they had invested in real estate. And so, that got my curiosity going. I started researching. I took a course uh, in 2005 with the Real Estate Investment Network. Uh, it was called their boot, boot, uh, what was it? A boot camp, I think, at that time. That's what it was called. Uh, and I started investing. I started buying real estate. And I you know, dipped my toe in, started with that, bought some more, started attracting investors, and it went from there. So that's definitely not your typical career path into the world of real estate yeah. investing. It was obviously a, a painful period and certainly some learnings that came out of that painful period. What were some of the major things that really stuck with you from that time? The biggest takeaway from that is that we as people in general and women in particular are tremendously financially vulnerable unless we've taken the time 
to really look at our financial structure, our financial life, and figure out where are the weak spots. Because if you don't know where those, those weak spots are, I tell you, life will find them for you. Uh, and that's precisely what happened to me. And what was the most difficult afterwards when a couple of years after Malcolm's death, as I'd started to rebuild my life and, you know, met uh, my husband, Mark, and, you know, started to really change my life. When I started looking back and, and trying to figure out how did this happen to me, I don't get it because I'm a type A personality. I'm very organized. I'm goal-driven. I'd had a successful academic career. I'd had scholarships the whole way through, promoted from a master's to a doctoral program, accomplishing my goals. I mean, that's not to say that I didn't fail, but, you know, very much goal-driven, getting stuff done, research-oriented, and yet I found myself $400,000 in debt, completely blindsided by the fact that I now had a dying business. And so part of the hard looking back and all of the difficult questions was to say, how did that happen to me? And is it just me or did that happen to others? And the takeaway from that, I started interviewing other women because I wanted to know, am I just one data point or is there some commonality uh, you know, that among people who have experienced traumatic events such as the loss of a partner or a divorce? And as I spoke to women, um, I realized as I interviewed them, divorcees, widows, I realized that there is a lot of vulnerability out there. And the biggest takeaway is that you can't just bury your head in the sand and assume that it's never going to happen to you. One of the most surprising findings from my research, not one of the women saw it coming. And we're talking about women who went through divorce. We're talking about women who lost husbands after illness, sudden loss. One woman told me her story. She's on a beach, a beautiful location in the South. And her husband, fit as anything, just been checked and dies on the beach, goes to sit down, watch the waves. Next thing you know, he's dead. Uh, I spoke to a woman whose husband had been a professional athlete, just been checked out by the doctor, comes home one day, feels dizzy minutes later, he's dead in their kitchen, and she is eight months pregnant with their twins. So after hearing story after story after story like that, you realize, you know, you never think it's going to happen to you, and that's one of the bigger problems. So one of the takeaways for me is don't assume it's not going to happen to you. And this is not about entering life and being negative. This is about saying, what if, and asking some very simple questions to say, well, what if this did happen to me? What would that look like? What would my life look like? How would I respond? And then afterwards, realizing it's not enough. People say, oh, you just, you need a will for sure. And you need some life insurance for sure. It's about so much more than that, Victor. There's just so much more to being financially strong so that whatever life throws your way, you can manage and have reasonable, <clears throat> excuse me, reasonable options. You know, my friend Chris Martinson makes a distinction between a problem and a predicament. Yeah. A problem is one where you have a solution and a predicament is something where there is no solution. You just handle it. Right. You can do. Right. And what you're describing are not problems, but predicaments. Exactly. Now, you wrote a book. Tell us a bit about that. So, the book was the offshoot from my research. As I interviewed these women, I realized there's something going on here that it's not just me. This is happening to a lot of women. And I thought, 
I need to help these, these people. And I realize that my demographic, I focus on women, but I have a lot of male readers of my blog and in my work. And, you know, some of them say to me, why do you write your stuff targeting women? It's because women are more vulnerable than men. There's a ton of research on that, ton of data on that. But it's, it's absolutely true that everything that I write and everything that I say in my book, Protect Your Purse, applies to men as well. I wrote it because I wanted to document what happened to me, what happened to these 38 women that I spoke with, and to simply show, look, creating a strong financial foundation is not rocket science. There are some very simple steps, but you have to be aware of them because one of the toughest points in life, one of the biggest weaknesses is what we don't know. If we know that we're weak in a particular area and it hurts us, we can say, ah, oh, gosh, I, I saw that coming or I should have seen that coming. What was worse for me is what I didn't know. You can think you're clever, you can be highly educated, you can be the biggest type A personality on the planet, but if you don't know something, if you're not aware of something, you can't mitigate that risk. So I wanted to write this book to simply share with people some of these, what I think are very compelling stories, and to say, First of all, here one of the questions that I ask these women is, is you know, if, if you had to do it over again, would you do anything differently? And what advice would you give other women? And there's tremendous advice in that book from people who have been through some pretty tough times. Uh, so that's one of the things. But also just to lay it out and to say, here are the top 10 things that I would do. If I were to start over again, I would put these following things in place or structure my financial life very differently. And interestingly, I mean, as you know, I just did a presentation for a real estate group about how to protect your assets. All of this stuff applies whether something traumatic happens or not. It's simply about financial protection in the event that something unforeseen and traumatic happens. Well, I was at your book launch party and uh, it was great to see all of the people turning out and I've read your book, you've got some amazing stories in there and a tremendous amount of wisdom. And I can tell from from the book itself that it was certainly it came from the heart, it was really a labor of love and something that it seemed like you absolutely had to write. Yeah, I I mean, I struggled with it for a while, because I kept, first of all, I, I did the research not with the intention of writing a book, I did the research simply with the intention of understanding what the heck just happened to me. That's what started this. But I realized it was at my husband, Mark's urging, actually, he said, you should write this stuff in a blog, you should put this stuff in a blog. So I started a blog in 2012. And it very quickly grew, the readership grew very quickly as people were resonating with the stories and resonating with some of the points that I was talking about. And I realized I need to reach a bigger audience just to get this out there. So the book was never, you know, people say, oh, you write a book for this business reason or that business reason, not for me. I wrote this book to help people protect themselves. And my hope is that it gets as many hands as possible because I, the feedback I'm getting from people is like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I've created a to-do list. I've done this. I've done that. People are taking action. So I sincerely hope that when they read this, I mean, the, the subtitle is Avoid Financial Messes, Stop Emotional Bankruptcies, and Take Charge of Your Money. And that is precisely what I hope people do with this book. So if people want to buy the book, how can they do so? So they can go on Amazon either, pretty much anywhere, amazon.ca, amazon.com. Uh, the UK is available in Japan as well. So just basically go online, uh, look up my name, Doris Belland, or Protect Your Purse, Shared Lessons for Women. 
uh, avoid financial messes, stop emotional bankruptcies, take charge of your money and, uh, and grab a copy there is the, probably the simplest way. And so fast forward to today, uh, you're still active in real estate investing. What's the strategy? So for years, I bought properties for buy and hold and rent to own. I stopped doing rent to own just about two years ago now for a variety of reasons. One being that as I worked with families for 10 years, just shy of 10 years, I saw there was a real need for a financial literacy. And also banking regulations uh, have changed. The requirements have changed significantly in the last five or six years. And it was becoming more and more challenging to uh, do rent to own. So I shifted gears at that time. I started focusing on financial literacy education. And as I built that business, I wanted to do less buying myself and more investing in different ways. So I switched from buy and hold. I mean, I still have a portfolio of buy and hold properties. And we have one rent to own deal that is the person is just on track to uh, buy out this year. But I've shifted over to first and primarily second mortgage investing for the time being. And I've started looking around for deals where I can be an equity partner, just a cash partner. I have the experience and the information that I need to be able to evaluate deals and to, uh, to participate in conversations about how to manage properties, etc. But I, because I'm building a financial literacy education build business, don't have the time to do the active managing and buying myself. So now I'm looking mostly and and am in fact mostly a money partner on deals. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And well, certainly today's a uh, the market conditions have changed quite a bit. Uh, markets have gotten very expensive, gotten very competitive, and if you're like me you're having a hard time finding things that fit in that deal category. Right. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Simplest way is through my website, yourfinanciallaunchpad.com. There's a contact form there, or you can email me directly, doris at yourfinanciallaunchpad.com. Well, Doris, great to connect with you. We get to see each other in person every month or so. Thank you for sharing your story with us. It's an important story, and it's one that people need to hear. Thanks so much, Victor. It's been a real pleasure. I love that conversation with Doris Belland. Check out her new book, Protect Your Purse, on Amazon.com or connect with her at yourfinanciallaunchpad.com. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.